Hello, it's Denise from Moon Beyond a Certain Age. Uh, I have no problem telling you this is the second opening because I managed to mispronounce Jackie's name and her book title. So here we are again, take two. So our guest today is Jackie L. Purs. Is that pretty close, Jackie? Oh, thank yep, God. That's perfect. <laughs> oh my God. And her book is called The Taste of Tucson. And Jackie, I have to tell you something. I had time this morning to look at it. I absolutely love it. Um, I've been to Tucson. I wish I'd had this book before, but I'll make a trip back. And welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here today. Well, let me tell you, I just think, first of all, the book made me hungry. And um, I love the whole story. And I'm going to make you repeat it for people listening. I read your introduction. So you have to tell us that a little bit about meaning your story, which I think is absolutely darling, and how you got to Tucson. And you have to tell us why you decided to write this book, because we've had many cookbook authors. It's not easy. It's a lot of work. And when all of a sudden someone does it, it's, it's nothing short of impressive. So that's the two-part question. I need you to tell us how you got to Tucson and why you decided to write this cookbook. Sure, okay, so I went to art college in Columbus, Ohio, and that's where I was born and raised. And after I graduated, I started getting all these parking tickets and I just kind of saw it as a sign that it was time to like move on, you know, instead of being parked, you move, <laughs> get moving. And so I decided I was going to find a new place to live. So I went on a cross country road trip with a friend of mine and I thought I wanted to move to Santa Fe, but when I got to Santa Fe, I realized it wasn't really for me. And he had decided that he wanted to move to Tucson with a, with a friend of his. So we, we continued west and as soon as I got to Tucson, I, I fell in love with, with it, with this town. How I knew right away that I wanted to move here. And so there was something about the, the blue, blue sky. You know, Tucson's got a really big blue sky. In Ohio, it's kind of gray. And the sky feels kind of like low, almost like right over your head. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Here, it's like this big expanse, beautiful blue. And nature feels bigger than than the city itself. And the quality of light is just incredible. Um, and so I, as soon as I got here, I made a decision that I was going to come back and I was gonna make Tucson my home. And I did at the, uh, by, I think this, that was in June of that year and by October, I moved back. Um, and I've been here for over 25 years now. And my first job, that I got, I actually got two or three jobs, but one of my first jobs that I got was working at KidCo, which was teaching art to kids after school. But the other one was working at El Charo Cafe, which is the oldest family owned Mexican restaurant in the United States. Wow. Wow. Really had a huge impact on my life. I was a photographer. I went to art school to be a photographer and I always liked food as a subject conceptually. I worked both as a fine art photographer and a commercial photographer in my, in my studies. Um, but when I got to El Charo, the owner, Carlota Flores, uh, would just have me do all these little things like work with the, 
uh, photographer from the star who was visiting and helped set up the shot and, you know, do a little food styling and learning how to set up catering so I would understand what looks good, you know, food-wise. And that had a huge impact on me because she really understood the things that I was attracted to, you know, both visually and, and food-wise. And that also taught me so much about Sonoran style Mexican cuisine, which is which is what this town is is really famous for. So tell us that. Explain to us what Sonoran cuisine is. Sure. So so Tucson was part of Mexico for way longer than it's been part of the United States. And what makes up Sonora Mexican food, which is kind of like the north, it's the northern state of Sonora, which is right 60 miles south of here, is it relies on a lot of different factors. One of there's a big ranching community, wheat is a really big deal. There's a lot of fruits and vegetables. There's a wider variety of foods in this region than there are in almost any other place in the United States which is why Tucson was designated, well, one reason Tucson was designated, the first city of gastronomy, of gastronomy by UNESCO. Wow. Um, yeah, it, just a few years ago. And in fact, Taste of Tucson has become oh, the second cookbook to be designated an official cookbook of the Tucson city of gastronomy. So that's a really wonderful designation wonderful. that has been given. Oh, and so Sonoran style Mexican food is, is kind of the accumulation of a whole bunch of neat little different things. One is uh, the, the proximity to Sonora and the, the idea of that Sonoran style Mexico, what that is, and also how that, how that food has kind of evolved over time here. So there was, as we know, there was, you know, people, you know, Hispanic people in Mexico, there were conquistadors that came over in the, you know, 1400s, and then those cultures merged, and then there were native people who've been in this region forever, and they kind of conflicted and merged, you know, so, so their cuisine kind of evolved over time, both because they were, you know, from, from the European settlers, and from the natives that were here. So there's been like 500 years of all these different foods kind of merging together in this really neat, unique way that doesn't exist anywhere else. Because then what happened is that all the time since then happened. So the railroad came to town and, and the Air Force came and the college people came and the Chinese came to help build the railroad. And so Tucson has become this wonderful merging of cultures that has created a very unique regional cuisine. See, when you say that, so when you say you're talking about native people, you're talking about the indigenous Indians or indigenous families that live there, Jackie. I love it. See, and I love, um, you know, I've been in California my entire life. I've lived in Northern and Southern California, been to Arizona many times, worked in Arizona a few times, and it's gorgeous. And I get, I get why people love it. It's the desert. It's magnificent. You know, really, if you take Palm Springs, if you go out Palm Springs and you just keep driving, you're going to, you know, all of a sudden you're in Arizona, but it looks pretty similar. I think it's fascinating. But what you said also, um, 
very similar to California because of course, Mexico, indigenous people and the, the Chinese population, because you know we tease that Chinese are everywhere in the world because they came to build the railroads in the United States. And it's such a fascinating history. Just fascinating. Oh, Jackie, I love right. it. So it really is. And for some reason, Tucson just evolved a little differently. So we have food and we have influences that are just kind of regionally unique. And my cookbook is influenced by that, just like I'm influenced by that. So it's it when when I say that it's a Sonoran, you know, it's inspired by the rich culture of Southern Arizona, I really mean that. It's not the standard necessarily, all the standard uh, Sonoran items or certain items that I think people think of when they think of Tucson Sonoran food. Mm -hmm. But Sonoran food is, is always evolving and it's becoming its own unique thing. So when I say that the book is inspired by Sonoran style Mexican cuisine, that is the truth. There are many, there are some recipes that are kind of standards and there's some that are really taking it in a little bit of a different direction. And that is what's happening in Tucson. There are chefs all over this town who are taking all the cool things about the food environment here and, and kind of letting it evolve into something else. And which brings me to the fact that there's 16 local chefs that contributed a recipe to the book. So in addition to like, I think there's like 65 of my recipes, then there's like more, eight, you know, 20 or so recipes that were contribute, contributed to, to me by chefs who had, who, who were serving recipes in their, in their restaurants that I thought were inspiring or that I thought were just my favorites or that I thought would help round out the book in the way that I wanted it to be. Cause so it would, you know, fill all the slots in the way that yeah. I wanted them to be filled. Yeah. And are those chefs, some of them I better local, I mean, meaning local that they were born there and some of them are also transplants that came and fell in love with it. Is that yeah. true? That's a hundred percent true. And that's why, for example, um, there's a place called Cafe Pocacosa and Susana, she's really inspired by food from Mexico City, but her moles have become very much iconic, an iconic dish in Tucson. And so I included her mole, mole amarillo, which is a yellow mole that's not, doesn't have any chocolate in it. And, it. and so that's one example. Um, a lot of, a couple of people were born in uh, Aramis. I know uh, Boca Tacos, uh, she, she's Jane nominated for a job, or not nominated, I don't think they say nominated, but she was, she was gonna be selected to get a James Beard Award, whatever, okay. <laughs> finalist. I think she's a finalist. Okay. Finalist for a James Beard Award. Uh, and I believe she's from Aramisia, which is a little bit further south. Um, she's very well known for her sauces and salsas. Huh. Um, and Don Guerra, who does barrio bread, uh, he, I, I think he's from Northern Arizona, but he makes these wonderful, he's actually another James Beard. There's got like four James Beard Award nominees in there in the book right now. And he um, his, he makes bread with uh, heritage grains. Oh. And he was, he was just on Patty Jenich's show. Uh, yes. 
Yeah, and so was she. So was uh, Bokotaka. So I have some really amazing, really well-respected chefs who contributed recipes to the book as, as well, which is cool. <laughs> That's incredible. And so now it sounds like, that, not to push you, Jackie, but it sounds like you could write a whole nother second book about this. this. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I would like to. <laughs> no, no, it sounds wonderful. Now, did you photograph all of the photographs in this book? I did. Okay. I did. And what did you, now, did you write a proposal and sell this to a publisher? I did. Okay. It, it's West Margin Press, okay. which is, which is a, a boutique agency out of, um, out of Berkeley. California, and they are a division of Ingram Publishing. Sure. And uh, so they were fantastic. Jen Noonan, who's my, uh, she's my editor, my, my main editor. She's the one that acquired the book. It's, it's her publishing company and she's just amazing. I love her. <laughs> I think now had this been a goal of yours for a while Jackie to, had you been thinking about this for a while writing a cookbook yeah this is actually my the second cookbook that I wrote and photographed myself I, I photographed a lot of other people's cookbooks sure. and I contributed as far as uh, editing a few cookbooks too sometimes when I photograph the cookbooks I also end up being kind of a contributing editor because as I cook the recipes, because I cook and then photograph them, I do the, all of it, the cooking and the styling, the photographing. I it would I would give notes back and sometimes the recipes would kind of evolve based on on that. Uh, as I'm sure you understand, you know, sometimes the photograph kind of dictates the recipe a little bit. No, absolutely. And that's funny you should say that, Jackie. And here's the reason. I uh, when I bought, we did, we did that for Trader Joe's for years. They would bring wow. us the product. Sometimes they didn't have a recipe yet. They just had the prototype. Yeah. And then we would cook it and we would write notes down to people saying, you know, and we would write back to their marketing department saying, uh, you're going to have to give people visuals about this or this. I don't think this is what you had in mind, but this is how it turned out. So, and I think that when you are a photographer or a food stylist or a cook, you find that all the time in recipes. Do you know what I mean? And certainly we, um, and we certainly as stylists photographing other people's recipes, half the time Cindy and I would turn around and say, we've got to tell them they got to put some color in this recipe because there's it, nothing's happening here. Yeah, and the, the neat thing about that is it always makes the recipe taste better. Absolutely. Like, like this really needs some kind of a garnish or, or even just like there's not enough peas or something, you know, like when you're seeing the recipe made, whatever the visual attribution is that kind of gets altered as a result of the photographs, if you then add that to the recipe, I swear every single time it makes the recipe better. And sometimes it's just you know, like salt, like flaky salt, something as simple as that. It's like, that's what it needed. This is such a difficult concept for some people, Jackie, to appreciate. And, you know, I, I totally, for us, and, and in, but in my career, yesterday I made a packaged, it's from one of my favorite markets. It's their new brand. They have a brand. And it came out, but the moment I was reading it, 
I mean, I was just making it for us. This had nothing to do with a job or getting paid, but I thought I, I already made a note and I thought I should contact their corporate office because they, the instructions were written incorrectly. Do you see what I'm saying? They had one instruction, the cart before the horse. And I thought, we don't need to say that now. We need to turn that around. Yeah. And then the product was great, but the way they were selling it again, they could do better. Do you know what I mean? So I thought to myself, I'm going to drop them a note. I'm sure they really are waiting for it. <laughs> but I have to tell you, it, I, I see I'm with you. And for a, a cookbook author, if you were photographing the food for someone and you give someone great feedback on that recipe, that's just whether you're getting paid or not, that's a gift. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's a wonderful thing to do. I, I asked you those questions because we have a lot of readers that have all been in food. And I always say to people, even if you are gonna self-publish your book, if you've been cooking all your life, maybe you should just put a cookbook together for your family. Do you know what I mean? And I don't, there's so many success stories. I don't know if you know her, she's more my generation. There was a woman named Judy Bart Cancicor who lives in Huntington Beach or Orange County. And she about 10, 15 years ago, decided to build a family cookbook. So she had a huge family, Jewish family back East. She got all the cousins and aunts and uncles to give them the recipes. And she put it together totally out of a desire for family cookbook. And of course, what happened is she had 600 and something recipes. And it's a very famous book of 660 family Jewish family recipes and workman publisher picked it up and paid her and it's I been in print that. ever since do you know oh, what I mean? yes I love that I love that I love that so that's why I always say when we guests like you I want to know people's stories because I know there are people out there listening I had to be perfectly honest with you, until I saw your book and got to read it, not just saw the cover of it, got to read some of it. I had no idea how rich the food legacy was in Tucson. I mean, you know what I mean? I've been there, I've worked there, I've eaten in a couple of places, but we don't know those things unless someone dives into it like you and puts it together. So I, I commend you, it's fantastic. Thank you, thank you very much. That's really, that really was my goal, I wanted, to teach the rest of the world about this unique regional cuisine that anybody can make anywhere else too. It, it, you don't have to have, you mostly don't have to have any special ingredients. It's really good Mexican food. And a lot, you know, like it's, it's the Mexican the way I always wanted Mexican food to be when I was growing up in Columbus, Ohio in the eighties, Mexican food was not always that great. No. <laughs> and I, and it was, and what I wanted is, is this, which is like lots of fruits and vegetables, but I want a little bit of spice and I like citrus and I like, um, I like seafood. I, I mean, and I want it to be light, but I want it to be, you know, and I want flavor. And, and, and that's what I think the Tucson, the food of Tucson ended up being for me. It ended up to be kind of my idealized version of Mexican food. And, and I, and I love it so much. And hopefully by, you know, just trying a couple recipes in the book, you can learn, you know, why I think that. And it's not like, it's just like, you know, Tex-Mex. Some people think Tex-Mex is great. Some people think it's terrible and everywhere in between. 
<laughs> there are definitely wonderful examples of Tex-Mex that everybody can find and love and incorporate into their daily, you know, recipe logs, or whatever, you know, into their normal um, cooking routines. And that's what I'm hoping from this book is that everybody will find a couple of recipes that they can incorporate and make part of their normal recipe routines, whether it's, you know, charo beans, which are pinto beans that are kind of slow cooked, or maybe uh, beef Colorado or one of the salads that everybody can find something that they, that they love. Sounds what, you know, Jackie, I, when I moved from San Francisco, which in, and that was in the eighties, the San Francisco is totally, was totally based, all the restaurants that I worked in, the, um, was based on Chinese workers. Okay. That's who did the prep, meaning the, you know, the white man was in charge. The Chinese guys did all the prep. And then when women started showing up, they didn't know what to do with us. But we got a job. They just barely. But I was a pastry chef. <laughs> but they really, they kept saying, what, don't you want to be in the pastry department? I kept saying, no, I want to cook the line. They were horrified. But so I hadn't, that was the makeup. And of course, then Vietnamese, as after the war, a huge influx into San Francisco of Vietnamese people. So when I moved to LA in the 80s, this was the first time I'd ever lived with so many Hispanics. Do you know what I mean? But in the 80s, it was mostly actually Mexican men in the kitchens that I ran because, and then of course, Central America, show, you know, anytime there's a war anywhere in the world, as the immigrants come, you know where the war, look, do you know what I mean? You see the influx of immigrants. So I worked with Mexican men who had come to America, some of them legally, some of them illegally at first, but I learned Mexican food from them. Do you see what I'm saying? And they they came from little coastal towns, so they all knew how to cook seafood or exactly which one. I learned about putting lime, a squeeze of lime on my taco and I thought, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't know or how to cook slow cooked beans or how to make a mole. I mean, they came from all over Mexico. So that's really when I learned that Mexican food was nothing that I had seen before. Do you know what I mean? In a Mexican restaurant, not much like Italian food in my grandmother's house was nothing like Italian food in an Italian restaurant with a checkered tablecloth. Exactly, <laughs> that is exactly it. Everybody brings something of their own to the table. And that's what makes cooking so amazing. I thought, and that no matter who you are or what your background is, your own unique personal experience merges with the experiences of others to make a unique personal thing that is only yours. And that's why this book is Definitely a reflection of Tucson, but it's also a reflection of me and my experience and my evolution through my time here in Tucson and in, in Ohio growing up, you know, and, you know, as a white, <laughs> pale white Jewish yeah. girl in Columbus. <laughs> I mean, I so get it. Now, listen, one, first of all, thank you so much. We are going to have a book giveaway of your lovely book. So we'll do that after your podcast is broadcast and you can learn about more about the taste of tucson on my website uh jackiealpers.com there's i have links to the cookbook excellent uh, and my blog is jackie's happy plate where i have been 
collecting my recipes, a variety of recipes for about 10 years now. Excellent. I love it. I, I love it. I think the fact that there is a UNESCO designation of gastronomy is amazing. Thank you, Jackie, so much. I hope we get to meet in person one day. Thank you for your time. And uh, I appreciate all of it. And I think you've done a really wonderful job on your cookbook. It's lovely to read. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for having me today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Miss Cindy. And if you need to reach us, just go to our Facebook page and leave us a message. Thank you. Bye-bye. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been a